in three, two, one. John, are we live? We are live, sir. Holy smokes. I feel like uh, it's been a couple weeks because of our electricity issues, and I missed you. It's been, it's been a bit of a bit. Yeah, back uh, in studio. Well, three weeks now, and uh, thankfully we have electricity in the studio. So we apologize to you guys the last couple weeks. It was completely out of John and my hands. We'd come in here and the electricity in our studio, and you can't say the whole studio. It's not that big, but um, we got lights and everything that John's hung so we can you know, actually have good lighting in here. We have mics. We have a ton of stuff in here. And the electricity was out, and the building couldn't figure out how to fix it. So it took them a couple of weeks to actually get us electricity back. So we are uh, very apologetic. We were off air. It was the first time we've ever had actual misses. Yeah, so that's we uh, hope that never happens again. Good news is that starting next week, we're going to be live on a couple different platforms as well. Not just Facebook. We'll be on uh, YouTube. We'll be on Periscope. And then we're going to try to go to uh, a couple different places. Mm -hmm. You can still watch us after the show or listen to us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I actually just download Spotify and I listen to us on Spotify. Nice. And I run now. Good. Um, uh, Stitcher. Uh, obviously, Facebook and YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. That's all thanks to John. I will let you do a shout. You got shout outs. I have shout outs. Plural. And then I'll do a <laughs> shout out. I got one shout out today. You want to do it? Go ahead. Do it. No, go. You go first. Oh, go. All right. Here we are. So as Mo made mention, uh, it's nice to be back. We were very upset to put it in gentlemen terms very upset with being off the air but things happen and you just move forward so uh, a couple weeks ago I went from being old to older oh, you <laughs> messed up my shout out I should have gone first god damn it uh, go but it was a monster celebration and I want to put some thank yous and positives out into the webosphere because there's a lot of people a lot of people really helped uh, in Vegas and here in Chicago. So naturally, the first and biggest thank you goes to Maggie. And I just, I can't even put into words how much time and energy and work and excitement she put into this. It was just, it was an awesome celebration. It was just a great trip. It was uh it was every. It was just, you know how you when you're going on vacation, you sort of have a, you know, a mental image of how things are going to be, and you get excited about it. I couldn't. I couldn't even fathom how cool it was. That's awesome. She was. She was just what she did. All the fun stuff. So, uh, I'm going to come back to her in just a quick second. But I do want to thank some people out in Vegas, in particular, who were just cool as hell. Uh, so. When I went from old to older at midnight, uh, we were atop the Palms at Apex. Awesome club, used to be Ghost Bar. They have really done a ton of work and uh, it was just booming, it was great. And that's where I wanted to be when I turned 50. So there's a young lady named Jennifer Carey. She is with Apex through the Palms Casino. She's a marketing coordinator. Uh, she really hooked me up, the whole group. There was 15 of us up there. We were outside, had everything that we needed, and she was just, her communication skills were fantastic. So Jennifer, thank you so much. Uh, on the night of my birthday, we went to uh, a steakhouse that's only been open for about three months. And I had heard good things. Maggie and I 
uh, took a trip at the beginning of the month to go check it out, and it was fantastic. But what they did, we had a private room and just service impeccable. But there's a lady named Valeria Valara, excuse me, Valeria Varela, uh, and she is the coordinator of all the special events. And she, too, went above and beyond, just great communication skills, uh, really took everything that we were looking to do and turned it into gold. Uh, there's a gentleman who owns a casino uh, downtown just off the, uh, well, it's on Fremont, just outside the canopy. Uh, the hotel is named El Cortez. It's been there forever. gentleman named Kenny Epstein bought it a while ago, did a lot of work to it, hired some great people. Uh, he and I, when I'm going out there, I can call him up. He's like, you want a craps table? Boom. You want a blackjack table? Boom. You want time in the lounge? Boom. I mean, he was just so accommodating. Don't give me his number. <laughs> and it was just cool. It's like a downtown, smaller casino, super nice people. Um, there's a bartender out there. His name is Kelvin. He works there. Just coolest guy you'd ever want to meet and great bartender. Uh, so we befriended him. Uh, so there's another one of the joint that I've been going to for a while called Capo's Italian Restaurant. I don't know if you've been there. No. Next time you go, I'll remind you. Off it, the strip? Off the strip. It is. It's, so it's owned by some Chicago guys, and they intentionally overdid the old Italian mobster motif. Lounge singer, the, I won't tell you all the fun details, but just it's sort of dark and the red velvet and everything. It is just cool as hell. And the service and the food, fantastic. So I want to I thank the owner, Nico Santucci. Super nice guy. It's not uh, an Italian name or anything. No, not at all. Uh, but he's, he's solid. He's a good guy. Um, very involved in social media. You know, thank yous and, and constantly retweeting. Anytime uh, people are looking for something, if he can help you, he will. He's a cool dude. And Auntie G, she's, <laughs> Auntie G's got a sense of humor that I can't even describe. And it's not because we're on the air. It's just I can't put into words. She's just, she's funny. So, Auntie G, uh, you, you made the weekend awesome. So, I stayed at Caesars for the first time. Love Caesars. Uh, staying there was fantastic. The, the people were super nice, very accommodating. Um, yeah, the whole trip, Maggie, thank you so much. And everybody I named, and of course, everybody that made, made the trip. Family and friends, and it was just, it was an awesome weekend. It was Thursday through Monday. It was a thousand miles an hour, and it was over like that. But it was just, it was just cool as hell. Well, I'm bummed I wasn't there. I was out for my dad's birthday, so I had to pick between you two. And no, if it I was anybody you. else, I, I would have been there. No, I got. But you. my shout out was actually to you. It was going to be a happy birthday. I wanted to do it two weeks ago. Um, I'm not going to sing this year because you cut my singing out last time <laughs> and you tagged American Idol and everybody. But right, my right, shout right. out was to you. Thank you. You are a very young 50. I tease you sometimes and say you look like you're 60 or 70, but <laughs> you are a very young 50. So uh, happy birthday. Hopefully the second 50 are as fun as the first 50. I hope so, and I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot more trips to Vegas. So Yeah, yeah listen, sure usually I'm very easy to convince to go to right? Vegas. Our uh, right. guest today knows that too about yeah. me. Um, I, I love Vegas. I yeah. think Vegas is a three-hour flight. There's so much to do. It's so much fun. Totally I like to agree. gamble, so sometimes my trips go a lot of fun. Sometimes they less fun. You know, I, I, I was asked by people, how did you do at the tables or how did you do in general? And it was, it, there was so much 
there was so much positive energy and a lot of partying going on and in a good way, not like silly, drunk, stupid stuff, just a lot of good stuff. And I won some and I lost some and I won some and I lost some. But it was it was never like I won so much I was jumping up and down or I lost so much I was crying. That's good. That's like fine. A couple hundred up, a couple hundred down. That's not bad. You know, boom, boom. Um, and then the Jameson was just kind of flowing. flowing. <laughs> well, uh, one of our viewers, Johnny, who's gone to Vegas with me a bunch of times, he goes, Vegas, exclamation point. Johnny is a fan of Vegas, too. Well. Overdoes Vegas. I, I foresee, perhaps, in the future, a boys trip coming up Tell to me uh, when. Well, <laughs> um, right, well, we're back. That's awesome. It. Happy That's birthday. Thank you. I'm excited to jump into this guest that we've had on a couple times now. Every mm -hmm. time we have Lawrence on, it's an incredible show, and it always becomes one of the most viewed shows because I think his uh, input um, and his outlook on life and then his advice are always really top-notch. He's a guy I look up to as a big brother and a mentor, and I've learned a lot from him. Um, today's show, I'm going to really kind of talk to him about two, three different things. Um, one is habits that build successful people because you see people who are serial entrepreneurs or serial athletes or people who are successful in a lot of different things consistently become successful at their next venture or are successful in fitness and then business together. And I think there is a lot of similarities in how people conduct themselves in anything they're trying to become successful with. And Lawrence has become a Golden Gloves champion. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He was a pro athlete. Uh, very successful in his 20s, a millionaire by the time he was in his 20s, and then uh, reinvented himself in a different business and then became successful again. So I'm interested to get his take on habits that have made him successful, um, and then just how he stays as fit, active as he is. If he can't take his shirt off on air, I guess he could. <laughs> We'd probably get more views, but he's a fit, active guy. And um, the last thing I kind of want to touch on with him is... Um, how to set your life up so that you can go ahead and then go enjoy yourself because everybody works really hard and it's fine to work really hard but a lot of times you work really hard and then uh, you really don't know uh, when the end of life comes you know life is short uh, mother uh, time is or father time is undefeated uh, and you don't know when it's going to defeat you so his outlook on being able to work hard and then enjoy his life to me is very fascinating so thanks for coming on buddy oh. Pleasure to be here as always. Thank you. So I'll go through kind of that line of uh, questioning. I guess the awesome. first thing I'll let you touch on a little bit. Where I, I said we talk about the 10,000 hour rule. I'll let you kind of discuss that, what you think about it, and then some of the things that you think have been strong habits for you that have made you successful so many times over. Yeah, I think the 10,000 hour rule is it's, a lot of people look at it as a negative, right? You have to put so much time in something. But I'm convinced that the more the more effort it takes to get somewhere, the more reward there is when you get it. So uh, something like, it's hard to use an analogy, but something like going out and having a fun time drinking, it's great for a few hours, the next day you have a hangover, it's kind of over, you know? Whereas something like you said, um, when I was 26, I won the Golden Gloves, I was never a natural athlete, you know, I had some minor success in high school as a swimmer, and um, I ran track, but I didn't, I was never great. And it was the first thing that I actually put a few years in, took me three attempts to finally win. And then when I did, it was a lot sweeter because of the sacrifices. So I think I think the 10,000 hour, it's a good thing to remember that we always try to rush things. We always want the, the benefit without putting the work in. But if you just take that approach and you, tr you, you, <laughs> you can't hate your life for 10,000 hours just to get some kind of title or some kind of reward, you have to enjoy the journey too. 
But I think it's a good reminder that, you know, if you look at anyone you look up to, whether it's an athlete, whether it's an entrepreneur, who, whoever that successful person is, I can almost guarantee you that they've got close to 10,000 hours somewhere, you know, putting it in. And if you, if you just look at them as the finished, finished product, it's almost depressing. It's almost, um, it's defeating. You don't know where to start because you, you look at you and you look at where this person you want to be is and there's 10,000 hours of hard work between you two. So it's like, well, I can't get there, so I'm not even going to try. But I think one of the, one of the best advice that I ever heard about it was um, Jordan Peterson was talking about, you've got to aim down. And I thought initially, I was like, what are you talking about? But it makes so much sense. Too many people look at, look at you know, I want to be the next Steve Jobs. There's, there's so much space between me and him. I wouldn't even know the first step. Where do I even go? Whereas if you just say, you know, today I'm going to have a good day. I'm going to, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to try to eat well. I'm going to try to learn something I've never done before, maybe pick up a book and, and read for two hours on some subject. And maybe, maybe that's all you need. That's the first step. And then the day two, maybe, maybe in that two hours of reading, it'll trigger some other thought. That'll be your next step. So there's, there might be a hundred or a thousand steps to where you want to be. If you're looking at step 950, it's, you don't even know where to start. Whereas if you focus on step one, two, and three, it, it's a lot easier. So I think, I think the 10,000 hour rule is actually some could look at it as a negative thing, but I think it's a positive thing. Yeah, and, and there's a lot in there that you just touched on. Um, one, you can't really hate what you do. You, ha you have to genuinely enjoy it, I think, to be able to put 10,000 hours into something. Yes. Um, two, I, I, I always I, I equate it to set your big goal and then break it down into winning the week, and then you do it kind of breaking it down into what you have to do every day to have a good day. Um, you know, I, I had a discussion with um, Natalie, who uh, works at Main Street, and she just did a jiu-jitsu tournament. Congratulations to her. She took a silver medal. And she was saying um, how, like, the first day was really hard, and, you know, she was, like, just irritated about it. And then the second day, she did better. And I actually brought you up, and I said, you know, uh, Lawrence, I remember watching you at a jiu-jitsu tournament lose a handful of times and I was like you got to think like he's put in so much time and effort and even when he was a purple belt he was winning he was losing and then he's got to now and I've spoken to you about this when you first became a black belt and you're like well I uh I lost this tournament so I'm pissed I'm like you're gonna be that for the next 30 40 years and how much you've kind of developed your um your art form and you've gotten better and better and better I think a lot of people like you know like a me or like Natalie and that the scenario look at you and they're like well, oh my god he's there and they don't see all the little steps like you said that it took to get you to where you are now but but even, but even you know say say someone walks into a jiu-jitsu class and i just taught today so a new student comes in and he sees me and he's like man i want to get to where he is well i'm you know i competed this weekend too i won some i lost some i came second in my division so it's not like you're you know you're never it's never a complete i think people have this um, this image, and I always I love Brad, but I, I we, we talk about it a lot, and I, and I always tell him, it's not that you want to. He's very smart with his money. He's making these decisions. He's like, I want to stop work, and then he's trying to figure out what he wants to do after that. And I think a lot of people have this dream where I'm going to work really hard, then I'm going to retire somewhere warm and not do anything. But really, if if that's your life, like you're you're aspiring to do something, and you cannot do anything, you're not going to be happy. No one's going to be happy doing absolutely nothing. It might be fun for a week or two when you decompress. And after that, you're going to be goalless. You're going to be aimless. You're probably going to, you know, if you're older, that's, you're going to pass away. You, a lot of people die when they're older because they have no more reason to live. Yeah. Um, so I think, but I think momentum is very important. I think um, that comes back to setting smaller goals. Because then when you're, I remember reading a great book when I was boxing and it said, 
you've got to have a really strong mind. The fit, the physical is good and all, but you've got to be mentally strong. And one of the best things to be mentally strong is you've got to think about your past victories. And I was just starting out and I was like, well, I think I had one or two amateur fights at the time. And I was like, well, I don't really have any past victories to, to even think about. So what do you do then? Well, you've got to think, well, you know, I've been training with guys that have won the Golden Gloves. I'm hanging in with them, I'm doing well. So maybe think about that or something. But so you've got to start somewhere, but then once you're going, I think momentum's really important. You've got to always remember your small victories can lead to more victories, you know, whatever that is, whether it's athletics, whether it's business. And it comes down to what, um, I think back to what we talked about at the beginning, setting the smaller goals, because you've got to get those small victories, right? right. So say, say if you're an agent and you say the first year, I want to be a top agent, which is 8 million. I want to sell over 8 million and you sell only four. You're like, well, I'm going to be disappointed. I fail at my goal, but actually four, four million for your first year is very good, you know? It's so really maybe good. you set your goal too high, then you fail, then you're kind of in a negative spiral. So I think it's very important to, however you set your goals, whatever it is, you've got to be happy with the small victories along the journey. Because really, I've achieved those big goals. And I remember when I got my black belt, it was such a big goal for a long time. You know, kind of the same as winning the Golden Gloves. When, when, you, when you actually get it, it's very satisfying. But there's always a bit of a come down because like, after that, what's, what's next, you know? Right. So it's like, you kind of achieve this great thing. You're on a high for a few days. But if you don't have something... To, to follow through, it gets a bit tough. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you touched on something great with uh, the realtor example too, you know, you get to four, you're let down, you feel like a failure. You know, I, I feel like anybody who does anything for 10,000 hours at some point has, either they have felt like they failed or they actually failed. And then I think failure, and I see this a lot with business people, it takes them one of two directions. Either they learn from it, it motivates them, and the momentum takes them forward. You know, to actually, Tommy Choi, shout out to him. He said this one time when I was listening to him, and um, he, he used the term fail forward. And I, I love that term, and I use it all the time now, if, you know, fail forward. Um, how have you handled, like, when you fail? And I, I mean, I've watched no, it. I think, I've watched you grow, becoming yeah, better at it in the last 10 I years. I think um, that's... Yeah, I think that fa I'm 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 not a fan of American sports, um, especially basketball. But that that great quote by Michael Jordan, he said, "I've missed more shots than any other player." And he's the, you know the greatest of all time. So, I think most, and unless you're unbelievably gifted, you know, from the get go, which is incredibly rare, most people, most successful people, I think, have had more failures than most unsuccessful people, which is counterintuitive. But it's because they're always putting themselves in tough positions where they're either they're either succeeding or they're failing and they're, and they're learning from it. But I think the, 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 I think it comes down to perspective. So I remember we were sitting with Brad talking about um, one of the secrets to happiness is having perspective. So you and I have a bad day, we're talking, we're on the phone, we're venting about each other, but you know, I, I bought this Starbucks today. If you, can, if you can afford to buy a Starbucks coffee, you're in the top 1% of global wealth. So it's a good reminder that, you know, maybe I have some money problems on the way here. I had a deal fall through. I put a lot of work in. I'm going to make nothing. It's a minor frustration. And then you, you kind of give yourself some perspective and you, um, and you remember that actually your problems aren't that bad. And I think it's the same with failures. I remember having a very tough defeat. I think it was my pro debut. I got this nice scar on my face. I remember. Um, they stopped it. it. It was a very rough, rough night for me. And I remember waking up. I spent hours in the hospital after waiting to get stitched up because there was some kind of power outage. I think I was there six hours. I got there at 11. Maybe I got stitched up at 5 a.m. It was a rough day. And I remember going home. I had a few hours of sleep. I woke up. One of my dogs jumped on the bed. I'm lying there. I'm like, life's not too bad. You know, if the worst thing in your life is losing an MMA fight, your life's pretty good. So I think just 
you you've got to I think it's I think if you're if you're not upset over a failure then you never cared but I think you've got to really limit it so for instance this weekend I was very irritated that the match you know you lose you lose a match you're irritated you give yourself five minutes to be irritated and then you're like okay it was a good experience I'm going to work on it because there's no point in dwelling on our defeats it doesn't achieve anything you know yeah, you know, fun fact about Michael Jordan too. He was cut from his high school basketball team. I know you're not a big I remember fan reading of that, yeah. stuff, but it's like you know he went on to become the greatest of all time. Um, some people argue LeBron, and anybody from Chicago will tell them they're crazy. John's shaking his head, no way. But it's uh, yeah, I mean, like even some of the fighters, like they were would have lost at the Olympics and go on to become the best. I think exactly. Floyd did. Floyd get a gold medal in the Olympics? I don't remember. I'm not sure, but yeah, a lot of. But even someone like. Um, Tyson. So uh, RDA, yeah. you know, he fought for the title. He's the top five in the world or something. I think he was like, he was alternating winning and losses his first like 10 fights in the UFC. So win, lose, win, lose. But then the whole time he's improving, he's working himself. Then he has a crazy win streak all the way to a title shot. So but, you see that a lot, I think. But I think that that separates him from a lot of people who lose at certain things. And then they're like, well, this is not for me. I'm never going to now be able to be that person. I see it in business all the time where somebody has one bad year and they're like, I'm not going to go and be Jeff Lowe. Or in our office, you know, a lot of people say, you know, I'm not going to be able to be Lawrence because, you know, I only did three million this year. And it's like they didn't watch you your first year. They didn't, you know, it's um, t Tony Robbins has a great quote. Actually, Bill Gates and Tony Robbins uses it a lot. It's we overestimate what we can achieve mm -hmm. in a year and we underestimate what we can achieve in a decade. And it kind of takes you back to that 10,000 an hour rule it's like sometimes to get to 10,000 hours it takes you a decade to get there exactly and a lot of people if that success isn't instant they they kind of shell up so I think it was one of the Gracie I think it was Carlos Gracie he said when you compete in jiu-jitsu you either win or you learn and I love that philosophy and it's the same with me when if you if you do a tournament I'm using jiu-jitsu as an analogy but it applies to anything if you do jiu-jitsu tournament and you prepare for it and you win it's great because it validates all the effort and, and the time it took to prepare and the sacrifices you made. If you don't win, you, you get some really valuable lessons. Like I learned a really valuable lesson about a position this weekend that I hadn't really been training enough and because the guys at the gym don't use it, but a lot of guys I compete against do. And it's, a, it's been a great lesson. I'm going to work on it the next few months. So having that positive philosophy, they talk about, um, I think it's a fixed, a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. So those with a fixed mindset, they kind of believe that from wherever they're at in life, that's kind of where they're going to be. They don't, they don't really have too much belief they can improve it. Whereas a, a growth mindset, they have the belief that if they put the time in, they can achieve nearly anything. You know, obviously there's some limits. You know, if you're, if you're short, you're probably not going to be in the NBA. You know, if you're, if you're heavy, oh, you're probably not going to be a, you're not going to be a jockey if you weigh 200 pounds. You know, there's certain limits, but within that, you can, the, the growth mindset I think is so important. So I think anytime you have a failure, you have to have that mindset to, oh, to learn from it. Agree totally. Back to habits. What do you feel are, are a couple habits that you have every day that have helped you be successful? Because I know you're a very habit-driven person, and you do certain things every single day. Yeah, I think you've. Got, I think there's too many, too many things that are hard to do. You can't, like I think you've talked about it before. You you can't have discipline every day. There's going to be some days where you're just going to be lazy. Sorry, not not discipline. Motivation. There's going to be days and there's going to be weeks where you're just not going to be motivated. So, for instance. Again, to use the jiu-jitsu analogy, this tournament I did last week, I've been working very hard the last few months. I wasn't really that um, inspired to do it, but I had the habit and the discipline still to make jiu-jitsu, you know, four or five times a week. So I'm, I'm being consistent, and then I did okay. So I think there's, there's certain things where if I don't do anything during the day, 
absolutely no, no productivity at all. In theory, if I spent 14 hours watching Netflix, as long as I got an hour of a good workout in, I consider that day isn't lost. So I think that for me, you've got to always put health first because without health, nothing else matters. So that's m my personal priority. And then I think just um, trying, to, trying to make the, ha I mean, you and I work in real estate. So there's, it's very difficult to not do any, there's always going to be people calling. There's always going to be transactions at some kind of stage. So you're always going to be doing some type of work like that. Even on vacation, I have a habit to always work a few hours a day. I'm still checking in. I'm still making sure I'm doing all the consistent things for the business. So I think as long as you do that and you get your workout in, that for me is, 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 a, is a good day. Anything else is a bonus. What's diet like? For you so I think um, <laughs> my diet's changed a lot when I was young I had a very, I was probably leaner than I am now and my diet was horrible I just had a very, we don't believe you a very fast metabolism I used to start the day when I was trading with a thousand calorie humongous chocolate chip muffin for my breakfast you know now I fast every day till three or four so I'm a big believer in intermittent fasting I think that um, I think diet is everything I think if you if you have that short-term pleasure of eating eating like crap your everything's gonna your your mood it's gonna affect your hormones your mood your energy levels everything so I think if you make it a habit to eat well I think that's that's really really important so I I think you know shout out to my awesome wife she's a great cook and she can make very healthy food taste very good I don't eat anything I don't like I enjoy everything I eat but I think having a good diet is super important and and I I totally agree I mean I'm notoriously bad and you give me a hard time my dad gives me a hard time a lot of people give me a hard time that I'd yo-yo up and down and diet a lot, you know? And it, I, I can see it. What, what it does to me is it actually puts me into weird, bad moods. And it's not that I'm just out of shape and I, I feel poorly about myself. My energy levels really drop dramatically. Yeah. I, I, when John and I were both doing that fitness challenge, I could see like a, as we were uh, getting healthier, I could tell our uh, level of energy was up. I mean, I could tell just at all times our level of energy was up. And at those times I was drinking a gallon of water a day. I'm trying to drink more water now because that's always kind of helped me. Mm. But you just recently started the intermittent fasting. Um, so do you just, not, do you wake up and then just not eat till three mm -hmm. and then you eat till what time? Yeah, so they, they just say try to, the whole point of intermittent fasting is you just shorten your window. So before I guess my window would be eight hours of not eating when I'm sleeping and then if I get eight hours, and I then, and then I, the first thing I do when I get out of bed, I used to is, is eat, and then I would eat till I had to have a snack before I went to bed, and I would be eating small meals throughout the day. So that was my, so eight hours not eating, 16 hours eating. Now I've just reversed it. So I'm a late person, so I work late, I stay up late. So I'll eat a late meal, but if I start my first meals between 3 and 5 p.m., that's still keeping my window shorter. And I think it's great for busy people. It's awesome. You get up in the morning. You just have, you know, a huge glass of water to start your, and you start your day. It's, it's awesome. You don't have to worry about eating. And, and uh, you still, maybe if you wake up a little bit hungry, some, some people do, it goes. As soon as you start, you know, start working. And it's actually, it's almost like having, when you have a coffee and you're very focused, it's the same kind of feeling because your blood's not in your stomach. You're not digesting. So you can just be very productive. You start your day. And then I always try to get a workout around noon, um, whether it's jujitsu or cardio or whatever it is. And then you're doing that in a fasted state, which feels great. And then you finish, and then you probably have about you know an hour or two for doing some work and some other things, and then finally I get to my first meal, and, and you appreciate it. You've and then how it. many meals do you have between that and when you just shut shut so, off? So I mean, I'll, I'll have maybe four, like uh, four or five. I like small small meals. I like snacks. I like to. I don't like eating you know big meals. Big, uh, it just makes you sluggish. 
Okay. I don't like it. Do you take any vitamins in the morning when you wake up? No. So okay. I, I guess if, if you do the fasting properly, um, you're, you're allowed coffee, black. You can't have milk because that will screw it up. You can't even have, um, you know. Sugar? Some, yeah, you can't have any calories. Yeah. So, so I hate black coffee, but I've started that too. It really okay. helps. You, know, just, you get used to it. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I have never tried that, but I'm, you know this about me and John might too. I can go a long ways without eating or having water. Um, but I've never tried it where I get till three o'clock or four o'clock before right. I start to eat again. But, just, but gotta, we have the same sort of hours. Yeah, exactly. You got to drink a lot though. That's, that's a lot of water. You're supposed that to, just yeah. keeps you kind of full. Yeah. Interesting. So I've, I, I will maybe give that a shot because I think for me, the difficulty would be having the small meals as opposed to, I just like eating big meals. But even, I mean, listen, it, this is all pretty new. It's probably the last year a lot of doctors are talking about it and things like that. But there's definitely, I mean, I know for this tournament, I had to lose some weight and it's very hard for me to lose weight because I have a pretty good, good diet. I work out all the time. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, I can tweak the diet a little bit. I can run a few more miles here and there, but it's, it's very hard for me to lose five pounds. Like, you know, so, and actually, with, with intermittent fasting, I lost five pounds like this, you know, it went, wow. so really, okay. it does, it does work. Um, and you are very notoriously good at taking care of your body. So I know you go and you see Clark, who's mm. incredible and you do a lot of kind of physical therapy on your body and you just turned 40, John just turned 50. I feel like I'm probably an older version of you guys at 35 next month. But, um, what do you do with that? So but everybody I, else knows. I think that's so important. So I remember being with a ex-girlfriend and we were in somewhere grand canyon or something and we met this older couple and they were old like he must have been early 80s and i was talking to him i was him. hoping you would say like 52 no, no, john he, would he, freak out he, in the corner he, over there. he was old like early 80s and i think his wife was in her mid 70s and she was a yoga yoga teacher she looked amazing for her age and he had the world record for the most sky jump skydives like something like fifty thousand or something Whoa. insane so he was a skydiving instructor and he was incredibly incredibly good shape and I remember that, and this is the reason she's an ex-girlfriend, she was like, oh, I want to be just like that. And I was like, yeah, but your habits and diet are terrible. You'll never be like that. So I think a lot of people... It, if, you, if you don't know to, this to about do, Lawrence, he will literally say that. So, wow. but, but the thing is, it's like a lot of people, you know, they want to be able to have the, to be able to do these awesome things. But if you don't have the health, you just can't do them. So right now, my dad just got back. He hiked across the, um, the Pyrenees Mountains between France and Spain for a month. Um, and then he's with my mom right now in the south of France that he's going to go to Nepal for a month and hike in Nepal. And it's like my dad just turned 70. The only reason he can do that is because he had a lifetime looking after himself. So I think that if you wait till you're, and I see it with, with some of my friends too, especially like, you know, our jiu-jitsu friends, jiu-jitsu is so rough on the body. Um, it's not just that we're exercising, we're getting our, you know, our necks and our elbows and our knees wrenched and just, it's very, very hard. So I'm, I just met, I've made it a habit since I was boxing back in my boxing days of just getting a, a, physical therapist just to do the deep tissue work and, and use things like ultrasound and lasers and, and soft lasers they're called just to you know I've, I've all you've always got these minor injuries if you don't take them take care of them now they're just going to get worse and worse so how often so i think um once a week to get some kind of deep tissue work i think is, is important and then i mean i have the whole setup i have the soft laser thing at my house you know i do my joints i I have the, the the roller, the the the, the lacrosse balls for your hips, like all that stuff. You know, I think I think you gotta you got like what do we have in this life to get us through? This is our this is our vehicle. So if we don't look after it, you know, you would never put bad gas in one of your beautiful cars. <laughs> it's <laughs> the same it's the same thing, right? No, it's true. It's, and I, I again I, I I'm gonna poo poo myself. I wait a lot of times um 
till I get hurt, like like I am now, like my lower back start to hurt again. And I went and saw Dr. Baker and he took good care of me. And then yesterday I'm working out and some, some tenseness in my lower back created something in my upper back, which I've never had. And then I went today to get a massage. And then I went, shout out to our old guest, our past guest, not old, um, Mulatton in Carolina from Freeze and Float Next Door. If you guys are in River North um, or even anywhere in Chicago, check them out. I was just there. I'd done float therapy before in uh, San Francisco when we did the triathlon, but their rooms are totally different. It's a room, not a pod. So I did a hour in an Epsom salt float, which was incredible for mine. I got out of there. I was so relaxed. I'm never that mentally relaxed. And then I did three minutes in the cryotherapy, which was freezing cold, minus 220 degrees. And I feel a whole lot better. But I signed up as I was leaving for a monthly membership because I said, you know, my, my... problem is that I wait until I have a problem and once I have a problem mm-hmm. I'm, I'm nursing that issue but my health is going backwards because mm-hmm. I'm just trying to fix something and I can't stay consistent you know and you have and that's where I'm getting the habits your habits have allowed you to be consistent for a long period of time because I tell everybody consistency is key in anything you do it's you know you got to be consistent Jeff Lowe said this in real estate uh, we had him as a top producer on uh, on a panel, and uh, we asked them, you know, what what makes you different than everybody else? He goes, I've been consistent for 20 mm-hmm. years. You know, I've been the most consistent guy, and and you know, you're consistently in the gym every day. Uh, Q just asked a question, and I'm going to get to it in a second. He's a guy who I, I remember Q started as a uh, white belt when I was a blue belt, but watching his like consistency, just incredibly I, I consistent. mean, he's incredibly gifted and incredibly strong, and his grit and uh, but, talent helps. But he's but also he's very consistent, disciplined, and consistent, um, yeah. and he's gotten so so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but your habits are allowing you to be consistent in life because you're healthy most of the time. Right. You don't wait until you're in shit shape like me. But I mean, listen, we all have issues. I have my issues too, you know, but I just, I know my, you've got to know, know yourself. So I know in my body, my, my weakest link is probably my low back. So what do you do? Every time you start to feel it getting tight and my, my sweet wife will massage it a little bit. I'll jump in an Epsom salt bath. You always, so you just can't let yourself get to the stage where you can't do anything, you know? Yeah. Um, go Q just asked the question. He said, what's your thoughts on alcohol? Oh man, we're going to have Lawrence and I are going to have different thoughts here. <laughs> no, but, Do you drink at all? And then John said tequila is premium gas for Mo. <laughs> but I think, um, I stopped drinking two years ago. I just said, I was never a big drinker anyway. Yeah, I and I just said, you know, life's about, it's about priorities. So I think you said you've been yo-yoing. So you're, I, I consider you a better natural gifted athlete than me. I think you are. I think I just work harder and I'd be more consistent. But I think you're very gifted, but your priorities change. So when I met you, you were really big in jiu-jitsu. You were competing. And you actually, at the time, I was trying to do MMA. And you actually got me back into jiu-jitsu competition because I was like, man, this guy's just started. He's so disciplined. It was inspiring for me. But the, the periods you let your health go, it wasn't because you let your health go and you're being lazy. You're sitting around. You're, you're, doing, you're st- trying to start new businesses. You're trying to start new ventures. And you're just putting all your energy there. So I think um, life is about priorities, picking and choosing your priorities. So for me, it's just like, well, you know, if I'm trying to compete at a high level in jiu-jitsu, I'm trying to work hard and build my business, and I want to you know, spend time with my wife and do things, it's just alcohol kills me. Like if I drink on a Saturday night, my Sunday is, is rough. I waste the whole day. You know, I want to enjoy my Sunday. So I, it was just an easy decision for me. I said, you know what? I'm just, I'm done 100% with drinking. Yeah. So. And uh, listen, I, I think my, uh, to answer Q's question, I, I, my thoughts on alcohol, I don't, and this might surprise some people, if you ever catch me out at a dinner 
or not out with people socializing, I never drink. Yeah. I never ever drink. So I don't have wine with dinner. I don't have beer at home. I mean, I have a pretty stocked bar. People have seen it recently in my videos on Facebook. But I don't drink. I actually don't like the effects the following day on alcohol. I don't like the taste at all. You know, if you, if you, and I love tequila, but if you put a Fanta next to a tequila and you said, which one do I think tastes better, an iced tea, I'm gonna grab the, I'm gonna grab the iced tea. Um, I do it more when I'm going out, and especially when I'm single, you know, when, mm. Um, you're in a relationship, you kind of slow that drinking down a little bit. But for me, for sure, it's more, yeah. um, to answer Q's question for me, I, I do it more to just go out and people are out and about and I'm probably a little bit more fun when you get a little bit of tequila on me. Um, but I agree, I think alcohol always ruins my next day. I get bad hangovers. So I am very unproductive the next day and at this age now, um, I'm sure John felt it in Vegas this last time, um, it takes me two days to recover. And, and that, I, I think a day of, you know, you, you're very good about resting too um, and, and having mental rests. When I can't have that, so let's say I drink on a Saturday night. On Sunday when I don't feel well and then I gotta begin a really hard work week on Monday, I don't feel rested. I, I now feel better on Monday than I did Sunday, but I wasted that rest period for myself mm -hmm. that I think we all probably need. That's I, my take on drinking. But I will say that, I mean, life's too short to anyone that's seen you when you've had some tequila. You, you, are, you are the most fun-loving, living in the present, very, very, uh -oh. it's, 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 it's wonderful to see. So I think you, you can get too caught up in these things. What's the point? I, I know people that are so anal about their diet. They have the most incredible eight-pack and they're just boring as hell. Like, I don't want to live my life like that. So I think yeah. you've got to have some balance somewhere, you know. It's just for me, it was an easy decision because I was never a big drinker anyway. Yeah. And it hit me particularly hard just because I didn't process alcohol very well. So. I've been using the quote lately, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. It exactly. drives my mom <laughs> drives my mom insane. Every time I say that, she tells me to shut my mouth. She actually <laughs> listens to the show, so she's probably gonna tell me to shut up in her head right now. Um, but um, Q said, this all makes perfect sense. Thank you both for being so awesome. Thank you, Q. I know you watch and uh, I really appreciate it. And shout out to you. I mean, I'm, this is no joke. I mean, I remember the first time I rolled with Q, who's a white belt, and I was like, holy shit, he's strong. And he was a good wrestler, obviously. But then to watch your success now, um, not just in MMA, but in uh, jiu-jitsu, and then but, you know, watching the personal growth of um, you know, all the f finance books and stuff you're reading. So shout out to Q. But Q has exactly what we were talking about. He has that growth mindset. He came, I think he'd already had a bunch of M MMA fights when he started jiu-jitsu. He was a stud wrestler, good athlete, but he came with a completely open mind. He put on a white belt in jiu-jitsu, and now he's a brown belt and a stud. You know? So it's like he had that great mindset going in. That's why he's successful. Yeah. Um, and you are a avid reader, and I know that for you, reading um, is, is a big part of your personal growth. I feel like I have in the last year really shit the bed with that. I was listening to Audible a lot and I was starting to make a habit of uh, laying in a bath of Epsom salt actually and reading before I went to sleep and I stopped doing that. And I feel like my motivation level has taken a notch back in life in general. Um, tell us about kind of how that affects your habits of being successful. I think, I think reading is so important for me. So it's all about knowing yourself. So some people, they hate reading. Maybe they like, they want to listen to podcasts. They want to find something. But I know, I know why it's so important to me because it's something I used to do. And then when I got into real estate, you know, five, six years ago, you're so busy. I was, I was hustling so much, trying to grow, trying to learn that I really neglected that side of my life. And 
only it's been quite more more recently maybe the last even just the last few months i've really picked it up and i've just put my phone in the other room and i've just delved into some things and it just it opens up your mind to so many possibilities i find it so inspiring you know i'm also there's introverts and extroverts and they say the way you know who you are is, is what what do you do that regenerates and rejuvenates you it gives you energy so i was talking to john um dimitros and he was saying for him going out can be that he gets rejuvenated by being so he's so social and, that. and i of course have a social side but for me just you know hanging out with my dogs and reading for a few hours it's so it gives me so much energy it just completely resets me rejuvenates me it gets my mind to soar so i think for me that's really important i know a lot of the famous you know ceos talk about it um doesn't bill gates say he takes a week vacation yeah. just with a pile of books and everything so I think one of my favorite things to do is go somewhere warm and just and just sit sit on the beach and, and by the pool, read books and sit in the sun. I think for me that's incredibly rejuvenating and inspiring too. Yeah, and you're you so. take a lot of vacations. We all we all know this. You you're the uh, you're the legend within the offices that we've always worked in and, and everybody says, you know, Lawrence is the most successful guy, but he also travels the most. How does that happen? And I try to explain to him, you don't see how hard he works in between um, in between work time and then when he goes out of town and then you obviously work out of town. I've seen you do that as well. What, uh, do you give yourself like, Hey, a month or two and then I take a vacation. Is there a set number of days or do you just, when you feel it, you book something? Well, I think it's, it's very different for our business because, um, my last vacation was actually with you in San Francisco where we did the triathlon. And you we considered that a vacation? We, well, I was in Hawaii before that. Oh, that's true. But, I uh, did not consider that a vacation. So, Hell. So I've been back for two months, say 60 days. And of those 60 days, the only days I had off were the, this weekend when I was competing. Every, the other 58 days I was working. So I have to go out of town. Otherwise, just by nature of the business and, and my phone ringing and people wanting things and me having to do things, I'll never get a break. So I've been feeling actually very burnt out. Having 60 days in a row, it's, it's most people are five days on, two days off, you know. So I'm definitely, I, w I'm, I was due a vacation a few weeks ago. I'm going in a couple of weeks to Europe. So um, I think that it's, it's all about priorities. So when I remember when I was first starting out in trading, I was completely broke. And I got my first, I think I'd worked for three months and they gave me a bonus. It was 2000. And I took me and my girlfriend at the time to Philippines. I wanted to go there, you know, took a vacation. Well, I could have gone out and I could have bought, you know, my, my buddy from work, he bought a thousand dollar leather jacket. You know, it's like, well, where, where are your priorities? I you want a motorcycle <laughs> to go along with that leather jacket. Sadly, no. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I, so I, I do believe in spending money on experiences. Um, not, you know, I think I personally get a lot more out of that, more satisfaction. Um, but I think it's so important. I mean, we're lucky. We're in a business where you can go and I can still be, I can work for a couple of hours a day when I'm on vacation. You're still checking in. You can pay agents to do your showings and things like that. So I'm lucky that I have that type of business, but also I prioritized it. When I, if, when I moved here with my trading company, I used to have, in England, they gave their traders six weeks vacation. And I moved to the office in Chicago and they said, okay, the Chicago office gets two weeks vacation a year. And I said, no. I said, I'm from Europe. I'm keeping my six weeks. And they said, okay. I said, okay, great. But it's like, if they had said no, I'd probably left. You know, like you gotta, you gotta pick and choose what's important to you. So I'm a play hard, I'm a work hard, play hard kind of guy. Like I can just work hard without the play hard, without traveling. What's the point of living? You know, I can be as yeah. rich as I can, but if I'm anchored to a certain location, I can't travel, I can't do things, then that wouldn't be any, there'd be no pleasure in that. Well, I gotta tell you, I, I kind of learned that from you because I, um, growing up, I watched my dad. We didn't take a lot of vacations. He worked. I mean, I, I don't know how he, he truly loved what he did. Yes. Otherwise, there's no way he could have done it. I mean, he was like 300 days on, never a day off, and he was happy to work like that. Um, 
and I was pretty bad about getting out of town. Um, every once in a while, I'd go to Mexico. And then somebody recently was like, you're traveling all the time. And You've I'm been like, much better the last couple of years. I'm yeah. like, you know what? Like, I'm, I have to get away. And, and it does really make me feel better when I get back in town. Now, I've been racing a lot. I've been very lucky. And shout out to Round 3 Racing for the opportunities. I'm at VIR this weekend with them. Um, but I just have been trying to go to more places and get out. But I felt like... When I get back, my motivation level is much higher. And it took me back when somebody said this recently too. I took a class in the seventh grade. It was called Brain Studies. Fantastic teacher. And he was trying to teach us how to study. And he said, anytime you're studying, if you study for or you read something for 10 hours, you will have been a better studier and got more out of that studying if you did one hour, took a 30-minute break, mm -hmm. came back, did one hour, took a 30-minute break. Because anytime you're more motivated right before you go somewhere and you're productive, and you're definitely much more motivated when you hit the refresh button, even when you shrink that into just a day. So um, I, I feel it. I actually feel it. I gained uh -huh. that from you. 100%. And that's that's something. So even just the last few months, I, I'm really getting back to just reading more and, and trying to trying to get my motivation and just learning and open up different um, thought ways. And one great book I read for anyone in real estate is called Real Estate Titans. And it's it's lots of short stories. Who, who wrote it? I don't remember. But it's okay. basically lots of short chapters um, just highlighting these unbelievably successful, you know, multi-multi-millionaire real estate developers. It's something in real estate. And the common theme that came across for that book is almost all these people overworked when they were young and then realized that you know it's not a it's not a sprint it's a life's a marathon so they try to put more longevity they try to look after themselves whether it's their, their diet taking care and almost almost every single one of them put said i want to i try and exercise between 30 minutes and an hour every day and they, these were older people but they had come through through their pathways in life and through their success to realize that they can't work optimally without putting that in so i think that it, it goes back to what you say is you're much more productive and on top, yeah, you just see so many people like the, my wife recently got me into watching the show, The Office. I'd never seen it before. It's funny. It's hilarious. But it just, it's obviously a, a parody, but it, it just shows how unproductive a lot of people are. They're there for the, the certain time because they have to be, but how much pr productivity are you doing there? So, and you're seeing that a lot, especially on the, on the West Coast. A lot of these companies, they're letting people work three days a week. They're letting people work from home because they're actually seeing, it's counterintuitive, but they're seeing the production levels go up by doing cool. that. I agree with you 100%. So, so we run our own, we're our own CEOs running our own companies. So you have to you know, do that for yourself to be the most productive. I love it. I'm going to keep doing it. We've got a really good question again from Q. He said, how do you guys deal with success-related anxiety? How do you, you manage the drive for more success and not overdoing things? I'm going to let you take this first and then I'll answer. That's a really good question. That two, is, two really good questions. That is a great question. Um, I think... A lot of one thing I'm I've been thinking a lot about and struggling with is um, if if you got a resume and, and I started listing things that are goals that I had before and I ended up accomplishing I would have a bunch on there but I never think about it because as soon as you achieve one you're always looking at the next one you know so it doesn't unless you you ha it's so important to pause and just look back on how you know what you've done and what you've got, and that kind of helps reset that desire to always be striving. So I think any successful, you get all these big name people, and you know, the, the, the Bill Gates of the world, and you say, um, you know, I'm sure for years and years and years, Bill Gates wasn't 
particularly happy. He was always striving to grow the company, grow the company, grow. And, you know, uh, Steve Jobs was notorious for being kind of an asshole and, you know, not very pleasant. He didn't seem like a very happy man at all, but he changed the world. He was incredibly successful. I don't want to be like that. So for me, it's, you know, every six months or every year, I'll, I'll actually I have a book where I kind of write down the things I want to achieve that year. I'll go back and I'll be like, man, I've, I've come a long way, you know, and, and you've got to have people that are accountable, you're accountable to, like one of them's Brad for me and Brad and I will talk and he'll always remind me like, listen, like if you heard your problems three years ago with, with, with real estate, say like, you'll be so happy to have these problems. So you just, you've got to have, you've got to either do it yourself or have people remind you how far you've come to not always be striving because no success is worth, you know, being that billionaire on his deathbed. And it's like, man, where did it all go? I never took a pause. I never took a step back to achieve, to, to, to see how far I've come. No, I agree with you. I, I To answer the question for me, I'm similar in that sense. And I think I've just recently become better at it. Um, I have anxiety all the time with um, with fear of like things happening at work. And I wake up sometimes with anxiety. And, uh, you know, there's a million fires, especially in what we do to put out. Um, I have a million fires at the law firm. You know, I got here last the last two Wednesdays and the show's not working. And, you know, my anxiety levels, you know, heighten. Um, but I reflect back on, you know, again, how far I've come. And then I think I've learned from uh, every level of success that I don't need to be. And I, at first I used to be like, yeah, why can't I be Bill Gates? And I was like, I don't need that to be happy. You know, if, if I wanted to chase something like that, maybe I could, maybe I couldn't. But I, I know that I would be just my entire life chasing some some carrot that I maybe I never get. And I started to fi think about, I don't need, I, I know what I need. I mean, I, I like to be successful and I think my habits of racing cars probably is a big part of what drives me to make more and do more so I can eventually go do that more comfortably. Right. But I have become comfortable knowing I don't need as much as I used to think I need. Now, going back to what you were saying at the beginning, a lot of people will, if, if you look at your current goals and you achieve it, of course, naturally, I want to step it up a little bit. But I naturally now step it up a little bit. You know, I think, you know, I want John and I to be able to grow this thing to have, you know, thousands of viewers every single time we watch this. I want to, you know, the law firm, I don't need it to be the biggest law firm in Chicago. I'm just happy with it growing a little bit every single year. So I want to always have forward motion, but I don't stress myself out if I'm not, the biggest and baddest at everything I do anymore, but which just, is what I used to think I had to do. Right, but ju but just on that point, how you deal with anxiety, I think you have to exercise. Yeah, you know, a lot well, of people. Yeah. A lot of people have asked if I've meditated, and I was like, well, no. But for me, a long, easy, slow run is that's my meditation. That just resets everything. I never thought about how much an hour a day of just not doing anything would have helped so much. And this is again a shout out to this float tank I just did. I came out of there, um, and I would whether it's a flow tank or an hour long meditation, or if you do it even for a half hour or doing something in the middle of the day to hit a reset button, I think is super important. And I, a couple of times I've done this and this is a tip for anybody who's busy and is a realtor. Um, some people think it's weird to go eat alone. Like I have a couple of times now I'm going to say this and some people in the office are going to be like, well, where are you going? You're going to go eat alone. <laughs> but I'll sometimes just go down the street and just take a half hour to just relax and just eat by myself and just have like a, mental check-in and then go back to work well that's so a lot of people uh, one thing i've done definitely more of the last maybe six months is um the hot yoga at core power a lot of I people hot yoga. a lot of people think bikram yoga is not real yoga doesn't that for me that 
my back especially, but my body feels incredible after. I love the heat. I love the stretching. But for me, it's more of a, a mental recess. It's almost like an hour in the float tank. It's an hour where I don't have any phone. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just completely in the moment, just enjoying the, the experience. I love hot yoga too. It's uh I've, I don't know if anybody's ever said it's not real yoga to me, but I'm bad at yoga. Like this move where you twist your arm around, I can't without pulling it around. <laughs> I'll never be able big. to do that. Um, exactly. But, I'm, I'm horrible at yoga too, but that's, I'm not trying to be great, a great man. yoga. I'm just trying to keep my body together as long as I can to follow my other dreams. You know, so, so one of the things I want to touch on, because, um, and it's going to almost segue into something that we'll announce that the three of us are doing in, in a totally different show at the end here, and I'll announce it, so I'll keep everybody listening for a little bit. I'll announce it towards the end, but... You have set yourself up in a, in a really smart way um, to build um, supplemental revenue streams now through real estate so that, and, and I know this about you and I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, you don't want to work till you're 70 or 80. You might have goals and I think you're always going to be the type of person that's going to try to do something new and um, challenge yourself, but you don't want to have to work you're 70 years old or 65 when most people retire you set up things that if you genuinely wanted to unplug yourself and enjoy life you could so i'll let you touch on kind of the intelligence of building um residual income and supplemental income well i think the first thing to say is um anyone can do this and brad's very good at this whatever whatever you're making whatever your income is if you just spend a little bit less and you know whether it's the, 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 the remainder is just accruing in a savings account or whether we're going to talk about it in a second, we can invest it smartly and double it, triple it over the years. I think that's so important. So something I was very lucky with when I moved here, the first year I got a bonus from my trading company and I bought a condo, one bedroom condo, nothing fancy, but it was perfect for me. And um, oh, the, the reason I became very wealthy in my 20s when I was trading was because I never actually saw the money. Every time I was ma- making money, my trading account was growing, but my lifestyle didn't change. I never had a car till I, till I was a bit older. Um, I lived in the same place. I, t- I took nice vacations. That was probably my only crazy splurge. You know, my, but so I was making all this money, but it was just kept, it kept growing. And then that actually gave me the freedom just before I turned 30, where I was like, you know, I had this athletic dream. I was like, I really want to pursue this. So I basically worked very, very part time for five years while I was while I was doing that. But I could never have had that dream if I hadn't taken the, the risks and, and built the income and the, the safety net to do that. So for me, I like nice things, not quite as much as you. You know, you, your your big hobby and passion is racing, which is very expensive. Um, you know, but I still like to travel and I still like nice to to spend money at some level. But I think it's just it's for me, money is so important because money is the the, the freedom and the flexibility to do whatever you want, to be your own boss, to 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 live the life you want to do. So I, if I've been rich and I've been I've been poor, and the difference is when when I'm when I was poor, I didn't, I felt trapped. I felt like whatever situation I was doing to get that paycheck, I was stuck doing that situation. It's a horrible feeling. So I've been working for myself since I was 24 and I think it was the best decision I made. There was a lot of ups and downs, but I think that that for me is what, what money is. Money is the freedom to do whatever you want. So I don't have the goal to have you know X amount of money in the bank and then sit on a beach and do absolutely nothing. I'll always be doing something and I think going back to that great book I read recently, Real Estate Titans, one thing that was very common about almost all those people is that there's this cycle of, of um, wealth. So when, when they were young, they were, they were growing their net worth and they were doing all this um, investing back in the, their businesses and, and becoming uber successful on paper. But almost every single one of them got to a stage where they realized that 
they wanted to do something positive for their money. So almost all of them, whether it was setting up charities, giving back to the communities, whatever it was, it was incredibly interesting for me to note that almost every single one of these people, there's probably, I think there was 20 or 25, and the, they all came to the same conclusion, same as, you know, um, Bill Gates set up his, he, he does his charity now, he has nothing to do with Microsoft, you know, it's all about his charity. He's giving, he's so wealthy, he doesn't want to, you know, he wants to give back. So I think that that's, um, that for me is, I'm, I'm now, you know, I had a few ups and downs, now I'm still at that stage where I'm kind of being selfish, I guess I'm trying to build my net worth and I'm trying to make smart decisions. But every time, you know, if you, th there was a, a great a great book I read on on investing in the stock market and they said it's such a joke, you know, this whole compound interest thing and Jay Valka might be a little bit upset with me, he and I have very different views on investing in stocks, but I think for compound interest to have to work, you have to be investing in your 20s and you can enjoy it in your 60s and 70s. Just, you have to give it this huge timeline and I don't want to be a Warren Buffett where I'm 85 and I eat McDonald's every day and my body's, a, you know, I can't do anything physical, but I'm a billionaire, That has I have no interest. But if I can do things that, I, I'm not impressed by something that will make me a lump sum, but if I can have something that will give me a small amount every month for the rest of my life, that is very important, that gives you freedom. So that's why I've tried to, I didn't know any of this, I learned the hard way, when I was very wealthy, I made every mistake possible that you could make, and I also had some bad luck, and it was I was heavily invested in 2008, 2009, the stock market collapsed, so I lost you know, a huge amount of all of everything I had made, the only smart thing I did is is I invested in um, property. And then I realized that through that business model that it's a way to, to give yourself the two things you need. You need to have some kind of cash flow because you, that's what you're gonna live on, that's what you're gonna spend. But you also have to have some asset that's gonna appreciate with inflation, appreciate over time. So I think that that's, that's kind of what I can't, what, what, I, what I'm trying to do is, Whatever it is, like you, yours could be, you you build a company, and then if you sell the company, or you or you have you know some kind of leverage against the company, that can be your retirement whenever you want. You can you can be involved 100%, and you can leave, or you can leave and be like 50, 20%. You can still be involved at a small level, but you can still get the income. So I think that's a great thing to do. Or the other thing is just property that gives you the monthly cash flow. You can outsource the management, which is what I've done now because I'm too busy, and you're just getting that, you know, every month you're getting a paycheck, which is great for our business because, you know, I've, I've been doing okay the last few years, but I still had a period where in January, I, I had a, a great January, and I used that money for, to do something, to pay off some, some debts to my dad because I borrowed some money to buy a building. Paid him back in January, and then I had, you know, February to, to June, I had very, very, everything fell through, I had bad luck. But it was fine because I was living off the income from my building, so I didn't need it, you know. So I think that's, it's very, very important to get educated about money. And, and for, firstly, for me, I think you, you should see money as for what it is. Money, it gives you the right to, to buy things, but the most important thing you can buy with your money is your time and, and your, your freedom to do certain things. And secondly, to learn about money, to make smart decisions now that you're, future self is going to thank you when you have all this you know positive income and cash flow and you can just follow your own dreams and do what you want i really like that i mean i like the money buys you time and time's the most valuable thing on earth and we don't know how much of it we have until we don't have any more um and, and I, I really like that about um real estate and i'm going to kind of lead into a show that we're doing um the three of us uh john lawrence and myself um and I'm gonna release the first episode uh, kind of today, and we'll even put maybe the first episode, John, if you're cool with that, in the comment section of this even. Um, we're gonna call it the Off Market Show, and it, it 
was kind of born on the passion of us three knowing that real estate does give you that sort of residual cash on cash return in your pocket, appreciation, principal pay down, tax shelters. And um, with the show every two weeks, we're gonna do a much shorter live show where Lawrence and myself are going to um, break down a real estate investment property that's off market. We call it the off market show because every property that you guys will see is actually gonna be off market. So it's something that you can invest in. You don't have to compete against everybody else. And it was, uh, again, born from our passion for this and what we've learned um, through uh, either investing in real estate, uh, having clients in real estate, and we're just gonna give you our lessons, um, positive and negative, um, about real estate investing, and then hopefully um, allow some of you to learn about it, and then if you're interested in it, obviously invest in it, and then we're gonna have a website that's being built that's gonna ha showcase um, more off-market real estate investment property. So off-market stuff is really kind of the hot thing right now, but there's not a lot of off-market real estate investments. And it's also gonna have a, um, uh, an education arm to the website so you can kind of learn all the things that we've learned. And it's, um, oh, we got one question from Jay Valco. I know we're getting towards the end of wrapping up, but uh, uh, Jay said, as long as you don't sell 2008 stock market crash was a gift, I agree with you, passive income to replace labor income is the goal. Stocks and real estate are both legit ways to get there. Leverage can blow you up though. What's up, Jay? <laughs> I'm glad Jay was listening and you called him out and he was listening. So, um, but yeah, so tune in. It's going to be every two weeks. Um, Lawrence and I could probably chat for hours upon hours upon hours. I know John's got to get going, so I got to wrap us up. Um, Lawrence, thanks for coming on. It's, uh, it's one of those things where uh, every time you come on, like I said, I learn something from you, even though I have the benefit of being around you so often. Um, I'm always learning something. I'm always bettering myself. So thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure. And if, if I could just really add very quickly to that, um, the intro for the off-market show. The thing, the thing is, because I have a background in finance and I have an MBA, I, th th I was just talking to um, Tony Fox in the gym uh, yesterday, and he we were, we were joking because he has an MBA too. We were talking about there's almost nothing from that we ever used. It's, it's so impractical. And the reason is, is because MBAs want to be uniform from all these different universities teaching the same curriculum. And the thing with real estate is real estate is so local. Even within Illinois, it's local in Chicago. Within Chicago, it's, you know, literally different, you know, east and west of one street. You know, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly local. So it becomes very, very hard to teach. That's kind of the passion of this show is I thought I was educated with money, um, you know, six, seven years ago. But there were these huge gaps in my knowledge because no one really talks about this, no one really teaches it. But I'm, you know, it's like a secret of the of the wealthy. I put a post on LinkedIn yesterday. Um, a lot of the, the the mega rich are actually getting liquidating a lot of their equities because we've had this crazy bull run for the last 12 years, and they they're getting more cash supplies and they're buying real estate at um, you know high levels. They're, they're trying to they're trying to get more into cash and real estate. So, but. No one really knows that. No one really talks about it. You put on CNBC, it's always just stocks, stocks, stocks. Most people are like, it's it's so cookie cutter. It's you have, if you're young, you put 75% in stocks, 20% in bonds, 5% cash. And then as you get older, you just switch it more and more in bonds. And so you have less equity exposure. But there's so many, that the big the big two things that that, that why real estate is, is so great, it's you have, nothing gives you better tax benefits than real estate, the depreciation, rolling it into 1031 exchanges. And it's the leverage. Back in the day when we had the 1929 um, stock market crash, 
one of the reasons people are jumping out of windows and killing themselves is because back then they let you buy stocks with 10% down. So if you bought a stock with 10% down and it went down 12%, you're underwater. You know, you've lost absolutely everything and you, you owe some. Whereas for real estate, you, if, if it's cash flow positive and you have the benefits of appreciation, you can wait out, like just like Jay said, those bad periods like 2008, 2009. You can wait it out because you're collecting cash the whole time. But the difference is, you know, something like Enron, you know, it was a, it was a great company. People thought they, they had their whole life savings in it. And we didn't know behind the scenes, you know, all the illegal things that people were doing and it went to zero. You're, you're never in a, in, a, in a big cosmopolitan city with lots of business, you're never gonna have, even just the land, the building got, you know, burned down and you didn't have insurance, which obviously you would have, but even the land would be worth something. So there's something, that old phrase, you know, bricks and mortar, um, you're putting your money in, in a real tangible asset. So I love real estate. It doesn't mean that stocks aren't great. You can't make a lot of money in stocks. It's just, it's something that I used to do. I'm not really into it anymore. I'd rather just be all in one thing and really master that thing. But I think it's so great just because 90, 98% of people talk about the other business model. And this show is just going to highlight something that most people don't talk about. So I'm excited. Yeah, I can't awesome. wait. And, uh, you guys, I think, are going to get a real robust education on this, and it's going to be unique. It's going to be different than anything you guys have ever seen, and there's nothing like it out there. So I'm excited to do this with these uh, two guys. Um, before we go, John, we got anything for next week? Uh, no, sir. We do not right now. Okay, cool. We will have something cool for you for next week. Uh, sometimes we announce stuff at the end of the show, but today we're not going to do that. We are not. So happy birthday, John. Thank you, Belated. sir by a couple weeks, but uh, thank you guys. I'm really happy to be back on air. It, uh, it was a really painful two weeks to not be able to do a show. Uh, we kicked off being back on air with uh, our good buddy Lawrence Dunning, and uh, we'll see you next week at three. Thanks, Bob. In three, two,